Rugged Matrix America is brought to you by the USA 7's International Rugby Tournament to be held February 10th through 12th in Las Vegas, Nevada at Sam Boyd Stadium. That's right, three days this time. And don't forget the Las Vegas Invitational, which you can play in in the days leading up to that. And also by Rugby Imports. For all your rugby needs, go to RugbyImports.com. This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome, everybody, to the show. This is Alex Goff, Editor-in-Chief of RugbyMag.com. And we're back with show number 66. We are joined, as always, by Bruce McLean in New York City and Pat Clifton in Kansas City. We'll go to Kansas City first just to shake things up. And uh, uh, Pat, uh, how's it going, Pat, in Kansas City? It's good. Kansas City is now the home of uh, the second, the now second place sporting Kansas City MLS team, which I know we probably have tons and tons and tons of uh, soccer fans out there. Yeah, the, the, we're on tender hooks for the MLS uh, rankings. Uh, Bruce, Bruce, how you doing? How's, how's your soccer watching in New York going? Yeah, I don't like soccer. Uh, I'm like the. <laughs> you ever see the Simpsons when they when they had the American announcers on the Simpsons when they had Springfield soccer? And they're like, and he passes to the left, and he passes to the right, and he passes back to the middle. And then they flip to the Spanish channel, and like, and he passes to the left, and he passes to the right, and he passes back to the middle. You know, I mean, I, I, I would be the first announcer. <laughs> my, uh, my, brother's, my brother runs a soccer company, and I'm subbing in here for the week because I need a little help. And if I have to hear one more conversation about the EPL or about the MLS, trade deadline i'm probably oh dear going to end my in my life well you know it takes all kinds i guess so and and there, there are a lot of people try to starve yourself to death <laughs> <laughs> then again that's the that's uh that's a very rich statement coming from me <laughs> well we do we do have a little bit of rugby news going on and we wanted to talk about uh, stuff coming up. We'll be talking later about the uh, the National All-Star uh, Sevens Championship, talking a little bit about College Sevens coming up. But, of course, I think headlining right now is the USA Men's National Team, their, their game against Japan this past weekend, and the announcement of the World Cup squad. And uh, looking looking at the game against Japan, they lost 20-14. to 14. They actually had a chance to win it, and I think the the telling and truthful and fair statement from Eddie O'Sullivan after the game was that he felt they could have stolen the game, but it would have been a steal. He felt Japan played better. It was not a full-strength side for either team, but there were some, some front-line players on the squad, and I think everybody uh, recognizes USA just basically couldn't do anything with the ball when they had it. They scored two tries from broken play, both good individual efforts from Kevin Swearing. Uh, and and but overall did not look like a team that could score tries uh, by winning their set piece and working their way through the phases. They looked like a team that worked their way through the phases sideline to sideline. We talked about that a lot. Um, and I I don't know, guys. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, you know I, I think that you come into this game and when you saw what the roster was picked, uh, the roster that was picked. It wasn't necessarily about coming out and winning as much as it was, hey, we've only got a couple of days left before the the deadline to turn our team in and, and pick our team for the Rugby World Cup. We need to get a look at some of these last guys, give some guys a shot, 
and see if anybody plays their way in or out or see if anybody bolsters their position or whatnot. And I think that you did find out, uh, I think you found out some good things in this game about Kevin Swearing and his resolve to come back and play. I think we found out that James Patterson, um, as you, I think, wrote um, pretty, uh, you know, hit the nail on the head with that he's not moaning and groaning and rolling around after every tackle that he can withstand some contact. We know that his peck is healthy enough to play in the World Cup. Um, I think that, you, you know, Ryan Chapman had a really, really, I thought, I thought an impressive little showing. You know, he didn't play that long. You know, there was one series where he made about three out of four eagle tackles in less than 30 seconds. Um, and even though he wasn't picked, he, he definitely showed that he, he could play on that level. And I think that he learned some of the things that we wanted to learn, like uh, Emmerich playing at inside. He can play at inside center. We all thought it, and he went out and he did it, and he played the best game at inside center that I can remember seeing a, an eagle play in a couple of years that I've been paying attention. Um, and so I think that they did get – Eddie got – Eddie O'Sullivan got out of it what he wanted, um, but still no win, which – at the end of the day, is 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 not what we're all looking for. They should have picked a better team, a team that could could have gone and won, a team that could have helped with cohesion for the World Cup, but they didn't, and they had other goals in mind, and I think they at least accomplished some of those. I think that it was great that they were able to they were able to put a little bit of turn a little bit of pressure into points, um, and 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 their restarts were quite good, especially when they kicked them, uh, and that and that's one of the ways that Swearing scored. Early in the game, there was a restart, too, that they had, they had uh, forced Japan into a knock-on and got a scrum, didn't do anything with it. Um, so I, I thought that it was good that they were able to get opportunist tries when they haven't necessarily had uh, any gotten any opportunist tries in, in, in their other games. I thought that the selections were poor. I, I thought that they really should have gone to try to win that. And I, I also thought that Japan is a professional rugby nation and they and they should have selected a team that allowed our players to showcase themselves in front of Japanese coaches, Japanese players and the Japanese audience to perhaps have a couple guys follow clever into the uh into the limelight there and and get a chance but that didn't happen. Um I looked at the scrum with Fry got lifted was you know that was that was pretty rough, but then one of the things that was kind of I took heart on heart in was the scrum directly after that McDonald lifted his man off the ground just as badly as Fry got lifted off the ground and that was and that was pretty heartening and and, and Fry actually drove a couple there i I think that they made a a terrible terrible choice in not taking will Johnson to the world cup that that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna happen and i and 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 as, in, as far as the line-out goes, you know, I, I thought they were able to win the ball in the front and then work some things, but they're really struggling to go to the deep in the line-out. They may get themselves into a lot of trouble against Australia, Italy, and Ireland if they don't have the option or the ability to go deeper in the line-out. But they, they, I thought that the players played their guts out. I thought they played as tough as they could. And, uh, you know, we'll get in – I'll get in a, a, after you guys comment. We'll get in a little bit about Hightower's analysis, which I thought was quite good of the pod system after the game. With the idea that the the game wasn't necessarily there to win, I, I think there are some comments to be made about some of the players or some of the, the choices there. I think the, the Paul Emmerich quote-unquote experiment at inside center could not have worked any better. And it was great. And he did exactly what we said he would do. Now what do we do about outside center? Tyanosa, his big issue was, uh, well... 
Oh, we'll, we'll get into the, the style of play. He didn't get the ball passed to him an awful lot. He, he was out of position a couple of times defensively. Um, he's not the guy at outside center, uh, I, I think, going forward. I think the, the selection in the back row, especially J.J. Uh, Gagliano at uh, number eight, highlighted the fact that Nick Johnson is basically your number eight. He came on, and he was terrific for about ten minutes until he got hurt and he had to leave. I thought Ryan Chapman almost played his way onto the squad after that, but Nick Johnson is the guy, and it's quite possible that had Johnson stayed on the field for that second half that uh, they might have won that game. Uh, I thought. Well, I like it. Yeah, go ahead. I like Inaki Basori as a number eight as well. He's obviously hurt too, but I think Anaki. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he, if he, you know, contends for some time in the World Cup at the back of that. You know, obviously Louis Santillo and Todd Glover can play eight two, but on this on this team they're probably flankers. But I think if if, if Anaki was healthy, that game would have been his and not JJ's. And uh, and I think that you know he could have also made the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, I thought that uh, Pat Danahy really uh, played his way onto the squad with that with that game. I th- thought he played uh, really strong. And the other guy that really st- uh, st- stuck out uh, with me is Mike Petrie. And I'm a big Mike Petrie fan, but his first uh, 10 or 15 minutes were not his best. Um, uh, you know, let a ball go through his legs, actually, and then lost another. Uh, there was a, a line-out drop down to him that he um, either misplayed or he just couldn't get a handle on. But what what great about Mike is he he just shrugged that off and he continued to play. And, you, and played very well after that. And he's been named the vice captain of the USA squad, which I think is a telling selection. I hope what that doesn't mean is that it's a bone thrown to a guy who's probably who's not going to play as much as he wants. And I hope it really it's a signal that this is a guy who is now – now they've picked one. They've picked a scrum half. Uh, I, I hope they, they would pick a number eight, a number seven, a 12 and 13 – I wish they would pick that group. So that overall, um, uh, as far as I'm concerned about the game, the other thing um, uh, you sort of touched on there, Bruce, was the defense. And and actually the USA defense was pretty strong. Uh, Apart from that first try that they gave up right at the beginning, and I thought, oh boy, we're going to have a blowout here. They really defended very well because Japan should come out of the game thinking they should have scored 30 up points or 40 points because they came really close to scoring a couple of times and and were stopped right at the line or close to it. So I thought USA defended pretty well um, and and to come out of that they may maybe feel relatively good about that. Uh, the day after that game uh, the USA has uh, named their World Cup squad uh, 30 players and I think that uh, there really aren't any glaring exclusions that we were waiting for. I think the number one exclusion, which we knew was going to happen, was Will Johnson. He didn't go to Japan, and he's left home. and And I agree with you, Bruce. He's a terrific, uh, he's a terrific prop, and he should be on the team. And the main inclusion that I didn't really think about was the uh, was Hooker. And uh, Brian McClanahan comes in as a third hooker. He's a very uh, he's a very mobile, very experienced, and versatile player. Uh, it's a good pick there uh, to put him in the forwards. And I think my feeling was that Ryan Chapman maybe had done enough to put himself on the team, but he's yet another loose forward when really perhaps they need cover up front. So McClanahan goes in, Chapman does not. Um, and go ahead. I think that. Uh... I think that 
Yeah, it was it was it was I thought pretty rough that they that they didn't take Johnson. Taking McClenahan is actually a relatively good selection in that he's really good for atmosphere. He's a nice guy and and he's going to and he'll fit into the team culture and and I think that that's that that's going to be that's going to be pretty important. I also think that not taking Troy Hall was a is going to to prove itself to be a very bad mistake. I think Troy's a fantastic player, and I don't think he was he was given much of a chance. And you know, and I, and that's not just me saying that he's my player. I mean, he's played against us. I've I've had respect for Troy since he's been in America. He's a fantastic player, and I think that that was another person who who was left off. Going back to what you said about Petri, that scrum was kind of a dodgy that that scrum was kind of a dodgy ball. And and it was rough to get it out. He did make a mistake, no doubt about it. On the line out, that was Hayden Smith's fault. He just ripped, ripped it right down, and that wasn't a uh, that wasn't a good a good ball off the top. He should have given him a better ball. Petrie should have made the play, no question about it. But he should have been given a better ball too. And and I thought that they all shrugged that off pretty well. And then w- about the defense, this team that they selected has been used to being thrown to the dogs, and now True. they got to, yeah. and and and. And they got thrown to dogs that were very clinical in attack. And, and now that they played a team that wasn't as clinical and it wasn't maybe not as tough a dogs as they had been up against in the past, they were able to hang. And they were able to bend, 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 don't break. And they were able to make plays and stop people from scoring. It was, it was weird that double movement try that Japan got penalized on. It seemed like it could have been a try. I guess it could have gone either way. It didn't get a great camera angle. Whether the ref made a made a good call on that, but you know calls go both ways in in a lot of games. I thought that Emmerich was fantastic, but when you look at it, Nese Malifa is a fly half who has to play flat on the line. He's he's really forced to stay deep. It just takes him completely out of his game. I think it takes Emmerich out of his game too, because they're not really putting any pressure on the game line. They're not really putting any pressure. Everybody is staying deep. And Hightower's analysis was fantastic. And I'll tell you, I have a love-hate relationship with the pod system. Because when you draw the pod system and you draw it on a blackboard or draw it on paper or use little magnets or M&Ms or whatever you do to, to figure out how to – man, I will tell you, it looks fantastic on paper. It's just that when you're doing it, the reason behind it in a lot of ways, not only is it to spread the field, it's to – have the decision made for you. So there's very little improv in it. There's very little improvisation in it. And a guy like Malifa, he's one of those guys who can dummy and go. It's not that there's the options for that aren't there. Petri is a guy who likes to play around the fringes and likes to run and draw that. They, we, we would call it the A defender. If you go pillar A, B, I call it the two defender because we just call it one, two, three, A, B, C, whatever. If you could draw him in, and, and force a little gap. Sometimes there's a runner that can go through the, the, the A-B spot or a, a, a spot that can go just outside of B if they crash down. So, And I think that that, that has been taken away from Mike Petrie, and, uh, and I think that, that that hurts his game and, and doesn't allow our players to play the way that they need to play. I think that they should probably go to a more simplified system, and, and, and I don't know that they, they – really can at this point, but they have to add some variations that can allow Nessie Malifa, Paul Emmerich, and Mike Petrie to, to be able to play. 
I think that when you have a guy like Z Nguyenia, uh Taku Nguyenia, he needs to be on the field. They need. I think he could have won the game for them. And I, I also think that by bottling these players up in these different channels and Hightower, you really see it in the first half with the camera angle that they had in this game. And it's worth watching that you just see, bam, the USA drops back and all the defenders are set. They know exactly what's going to happen. Bam, they know exactly what's going to happen. And there's really, there's really no offensive punch. And to put Malifa that deep when he doesn't have a foot like a, you know, like a, a, a Tran Duke of France or, or, or Damien Try or, 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 or any of the players that, that the French have, you don't have to necessarily stay that honest. And, and where the pod system did show itself to be effective is in counterattack because then it, it, the defense is a little bit fractured and you have options either way. I, I, I do think that they're going to have to figure out a way that they can, they can do a little bit more penetration and earn their wider ball. I, I think that, you know, I think Clever is bottled up. I think that Emmerich is bottled up, and he made a couple plays, but they were really off of off a solid defense. He really didn't get any line breaks the way he w- w- maybe he could and, and is capable of getting because he's, he's way too deep. And I, I just think that they're going to have to do something, and, and I'm really disappointed in the fact that not once have they played their first team. That's right, and 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 I think that I'm really disappointed in it, that the players weren't able to fully showcase themselves in an environment where they could possibly pick up a professional contract. That's a great point on the professional contract thing, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm disappointed too that we haven't seen that that lineup, and part of it is that that you in international rugby especially on a busy international season it's almost impossible to do that because you're going to have injuries and obviously Chris Wilds has been injured but um we 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 didn't see that we didn't see a a, a first choice front five we didn't i mean the 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 forward pack half the that team was not first choice and and it's real tough to see it i mean Bruce you said it at the beginning you 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 had to build cohesion and Alex, that game was there for the taking. Yeah, yeah. The game was there. We were good enough. You know, fortunately, it rained, and you know, maybe t- maybe took the Japanese out of the game a little bit. It gave the United States uh, experience playing in the rain, where they will be useful in, in New Zealand, I think. And I, I'm, I almost certainly they'll play at least one game, maybe two, in the rain. And I, I think that that was good. I I am I I don't get why. It wasn't a priority to really try to go out and win these games. We're going to beat Russia, okay? So that was a for, it's a foregone conclusion in my mind. I think that we should have gone out and really try. I think that we played better than Canada and should have beaten them. And we, you know, and and that game was there for the taking against Japan, and we could have beaten them. And and I I think that the players realize there's always a built-in excuse. You know, we're looking at some players. This is the developmental squad. This, the, the players read into that. It's either this is our team and we're going to win or and, – and, and that never seems to be the message. In the press, in the pregames, it's always – there's always the caveat excuse. Yep. And, and you know what? As a player, nobody wants to hear that crap. And, and, and you know what? We, we shouldn't be hearing it. 
This is the team we're picking, and we're trying to win the damn game. You know, I don't know that that was true. As a contrast, you think about uh, uh, Cal, and and Jack Clark will make a point of of telling me on a certain game where they've they've obviously run out what looked like to be a reserve squad, and he he'll say, "This is the Cal varsity team. Call them Cal. They're not the B's. They're not the the A side. Whatever it is, they're playing as Cal." And I think that that's, it's a great message to the players and to young players to say, I don't care what anybody says, you are the United States national team. You've got to go out and play for America. And I, think that, I, think that that's, I think that that is said in private. I'm just saying that when, when you read well, it in the press, there's always the caveat. There's always – it's a developmental squad. It's always, it's always something. It's never these are our guys. Yep. That's that's right, and I think I think the message still holds. The, the, they'll they'll it may be said in private, but in in public or or on, on official circles, it's said a different way. Um, so so we maybe <laughs> is Eddie O'Sullivan well, playing? Okay, uh, just one question, and go ahead, Pat. Uh, is Eddie O'Sullivan playing games with his opposition? Is he trying to sneak up on Ireland by not showing his hand completely? Are we, have we not even seen the full uh, first through last page of the playbook simply because he wants to surprise people at the World Cup? No. No, Eddie O'Sullivan is playing. Eddie O'Sullivan's playing a team, so he has an excuse to lose. And maybe he thinks that he's playing teams because, you know, maybe he fully buys into the idea that he needs to see these players play. Maybe that's the case. Well, if you wanted to see some of these players play, you could have done it in other different in, in different venues. You know, you could have done it in the Churchill Cup a little bit more. You know, Will Johnson didn't play a whole hell of a lot in the Churchill Cup. That guy was hardly given any chance to win this to, to make his way onto the World Cup team. To be honest with you, because what is he? If I remember correctly, he played one game in the Churchill Cup, and he hasn't played since, except for the Glendale game, which nobody's seen, um, except for the people that were at the stadium that day. But he was hardly given a chance to make the team. I think that. What he's doing is he's he's not he's lost three games this summer. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry, take that back. He's lost three games in the last month. Lost all the games in the Churchill Cup. He's, he's he's one yeah, he's one in five. He beat beat Russia's. He's one in five. Okay, he's, he's got an excuse to be one in five now. Instead of going out playing your best team and being one in five, he's got excuses to be one in five. In my opinion, that's what it's about. I'll be honest with you, they could have been, and maybe should have been. They could have been four and two. Uh, I'm not going to count the Glendale game, but they could have been four and two in their in their international matches, and and possibly had they selected stronger against Tonga, given a uh, given more of a performance there. And I think that our players are capable of doing it. And and you know if you're going to play this type of a system or whatever, you still need a strong set piece. And regardless of what anyone says. When Will Johnson was playing against Wales and Ireland on a broken foot, he was dominant. And, and, and then from that point on, really, has, they have not seen hiding or hair of him. And, and, I, you know, and, and he went down to New Zealand, was training with the All Blacks, was on the sideline as the, as the sideline prop in the All Blacks, and had been training with uh, Mike Crone's son. And, and he went down there on his own dime to improve so that he would be ready. And, you know, I guess that scrummaging and lineouts are just not the, are not the priority for the props. And, and, and well, it, the proof will be in the pudding. It has been, 
in the pudding, and uh, and 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 it's it's been hurting us. I think that there's other guys in the same instance with Will Johnson, and maybe that's more of the story is because I don't think Will Johnson was given a fair shake. I don't think he was given a chance to make this team. Alex, you said off the air, you think Robbie Shaw came in, um, turned out a chance to play with the Scarlets. That's right. And really was never considered the entire time. I mean, that's completely unfair to both of those guys. I think Ryan Chapman, um, you know, was in camp. They had him leave camp. Uh, or they, they named him in the 50-man squad, never called him, never told him anything that he needed to work on after the domestic camp. They bring him back after he plays well in the Glendale game. And then he outplayed J.J. Galliano by not – it's not even close how much he outplayed J.J. Galliano in that game uh, against Japan. And J.J.'s picked over him. So it makes you wonder what could he have done to make the team. I think that there are lots of guys that, no matter how well they played, would not have made this team. And that, to me, isn't the way you build a team. And that's part of, that's part of the problem. Can you win your way onto the, onto the Eagles? Because I don't know, other than Blaine Scully, if there's anybody who really – let's say eight months ago, we wouldn't have thought would have had a great chance to be an Eagle is on the team now because of the way he played himself off. In fairness to Gagliano, he has played quite well for the Eagles in the past. And he is a guy who makes a lot of tackles and does a lot of stuff. And he was playing number eight on attack. It's probably not his position. And he was playing, he was playing on the side on defense. And Louie went to number eight on defense uh, I probably would have put Danahy at number eight on defense, and and I would have probably left JJ and Louie on the sides. But well, that, at some that, point that, you're a loose forward, and you're um, sometimes at some point in the open play you're a loose forward, and you got to make plays. And I'm not saying JJ. Listen, I've not been paying attention to the Eagles as long as either one of you guys. But in my time paying attention, I've never been impressed by a day or a game that JJ's ever had. I'm not saying the guy can't play, but I'm saying if you're going to evaluate players to pick for your World, World Cup team. By these warm-up games, there's no reason that J.J. is there over Chapman based on the way they play. And you can argue veteranship and the fact that he's played and experienced, and that's all fine. And I've got no problem with that. That's a good, that's a good sell. You can sell me on that. But I'm just saying I'm using him as one of the probably the smallest of other examples of guys who weren't given a chance to make the We can go to – let's talk about the squad. Yeah, let's talk about the squad. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the, the front row guys. And, and uh, O'Sullivan has picked four props. And three hookers, and so your your props are uh, Eric Fry, Mate Mokiola, Sean Pittman, and Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald, who just uh, tied the uh, USA all-time record for caps with 62, he's tied with Luke Gross, so his next cap will be a, a record. And then your three hookers are Chris Biller, Brian Clanahan, and Phil Teal. Now, um, I'll, I'll make two comments about this thing. Uh, first of all, I'm still a Sean Pittman fan. I still think he's uh, a very good player, and I think uh, if you watch at the end of uh, the game against Japan when he came on as a sub, he was doing what a lot of the forwards are asked to do in this system, which is basically put his head down and, and go into two or three tacklers. He was making past the gain line just about every time he did that. Um, it's something that other forwards, other very good forwards weren't doing. I think Mike McDonald has become a very strong scrummager. I think that the problems in the back of the lineout can be traced as much to the lifting and the timing on the lifting than it can be to the throwing. I think Phil Teal's throwing was actually straight and just a little bit high, and, and, and I think that the, uh, the jumper, I think it was Hayden Smith at the back, could have been higher. Um, and then in, in the hooker position... I like McClanahan as a player. I don't like Chris Biller's uh, play lately. I don't, I don't think he's doing enough for me. Um, 
and, and it's not enough that he's a good runner with the ball. And uh, I think Phil Teal is your guy at hooker. And I think Teal will start. I, you know, I, I still think that they're, they're lacking a, a true tight head. But, you know, they're, they're going to go with Pittman. And it's basically going to need Pittman to go the whole way um, at tight head. And how, how do you work, you know, does Fry play tight head exclusively? And, and that, may, that may be the case. I, I think that he's going to be capable at it. I, I actually think he's going to be good because there are good parts to his setup. There's good parts to the things he does. It's just going to be a matter of can he keep his feet really locked into the ground and, and use the ground as a base to push off of. But his setup is not bad, and I think that he's going to improve. I just don't know that he's going to improve enough prior to the World Cup. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think Pittman's that great of a scrummager. Uh, I, you know, they're going to survive with him, and and Mate and, and and McDonald. McDonald has been scrummaging better, but he's not consistent in his scrummaging. And and I think that uh, I do think Teal is going to be the hooker, uh, but I and I and and I do think Biller is going to play a role. I don't know how much of a role McClanahan's going to play, but as I said, I think that he's real good for atmosphere anyway. He's a great guy to have in in your uh, in your camp. He's that type of a guy who can fill that. 23 to 30 role and be a positive influence everywhere, even though he's not going to get a whole lot of game time. You know, I, I think, I think I agree with the, 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 the Teal Biller um, conversation both of them are having. I mean, I, I think Biller still brings a lot to the table and he, he does run well with the ball in hand better than Teal. And I think he's going to get more playing time than perhaps, you know, say uh, the, the backup at another position, a lot of other positions on the field. So I, I don't think you lose a ton when you put Bill on the field. I do think you lose a lot from when you put Eric Fry on the field. And, and everybody in America is rooting for Eric Fry. I mean, this kid is born and raised in America. He played for Cal, America's team. Everybody's rooting for him, wants him to do really well. And I, like most, think he's going to be a really good player. He is not a World Cup quality player right now. And so if you have to pull Sean Pitton off a of tight end, I'd much rather see whoever your backup loose that is go onto the right side instead of instead of Eric Fry. I just don't think he's ready to play. I, I think that he's not as tough in rucks as he needs to be, and not just in the scrum, but I think around the park he needs to be better. And um, so that's where I kind of land on, on the front row. I I, I like Fry. I think you know I, I probably would have taken Johnson over McClenahan. That that's probably what I would have done, even if you don't you know even if you didn't like him, because you can always get McClenahan later. I probably would have taken Johnson over McClenahan. Just you just need to have that safety factor of knowing that if it goes sideways, you have a guy that can play tight head. That's what I would have done. But that all said, I, I think like Villa's going to play like a role. I think, Fry's, I think Fry's good, man. I think he's good, I, and I think you're giving him a little bit of short shrift on his on his ability in the loose. I, I and I do think he's going to be a good scrummager. It's just going to be a matter of can he get it together over the next few weeks to be ready for Ireland. And, and it could happen. And it could happen. He's, he's not far off. It, it's That's just a guy a who's been playing soft for over a year to say, to, to imagine that in less than a year and a half of playing prop, that he only needs two more weeks to shore his game up, I'm or not, that there's he, even a conceivable possibility that in two weeks he's going to improve enough to be a World Cup quality scrummager to me is absolutely bananas. He, just he crazy is what you said last week, saying that Sean Pittman's gotten no better. He, if Sean Pittman has gotten no better at tighthead. He's gotten zero percent better. I will stand by that statement. Um, and 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 losing the ball against the head it, it, down at the goal line is inexcusable, and it happens too often. So 
and especially when you can feed the scrums. It, it no way. And 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 I I do think that Fry can get better. Fry hasn't been playing. The Las Vegas Blackjacks were thrown out of rugby. So he hasn't been playing rugby. He's been playing for the Eagles, and that's it. And the Eagles don't always play. You know, they they don't play everybody all the time. So no, he hasn't been playing rugby. And I do think that he has an enormous amount of potential. And if they allow him to scrummage, he'll get better at it. Doesn't take. You know, everybody thinks it takes forever to become a good scrummager. It doesn't. You know, the, the thing about Eric Fries, he's, he's very dedicated. He's very smart. He's already shown how he uh, basically changed his body type to, to play this, uh, to play prop. And, uh, you know, it takes a special person to, to make that kind of leap in, in ability. And I think that Eric Fry does have the ability to improve his game. Um, I don't know how much in the few weeks he's got. You, you mentioned. I wish. I wish they had Troy Bartley and Jake Sprague. Yeah. yeah well, I, love, you know, I, I like Eric Fry just as much as everybody else. I don't want to come no, across. No, don't. No. I'm just saying that he is not there yet, and that Will Johnson not being on this team, not being on this team, and him being on this team, to me is the biggest tragedy of the selection. Absolutely. Absolutely. That uh, Will Johnson uh, is terrific and should be on the team, and he would be a monster just to bring in. Uh, would be on the su- on the subs bench and bring him in for 20 minutes at the end. It would be great. Uh, uh, I, the, I would think bring him in for 60 minutes at the beginning. Well, yeah, yeah. be a lot it, better than 20 minutes. No, I, I I agree. But the, even to do that, even at minimum to to put him on the subs bench, he would be he would be terrific. Um, the the great thing about Fry is that, you know he is a young guy that you build uh, for the future. You mentioned about him playing Cal, playing for Cal, Pat. And you know, what's interesting is that there are actually four of these six front row guys went to Cal. And there are in fact seven Cal players or former Cal players on this squad. And and of these guys, Biller, McClanahan, and Fry were taught how to play front row by Tom Billups. Uh, Mike Donald was not, but uh, those other two were, and, and I was taken out of being a lock flanker and taught how to be a prop. McClanahan was a prop. McDonald, McDonald played for Billups at All-American level, and yeah. he played for Billups at the level. So he was pretty well at Billups level. True, very true. All right, well, we look at the second row, and really we only have three specialist second rows in, on this team, and that would be Hayden Smith, John Vandergeesen, and Scott Lavala. Smith, uh, seasoned professional now, very athletic, big and strong, and he's been playing great. Uh, Vandergeesen and Lavala. Lavala's a, a younger guy, perhaps more athletic than Vandergeesen. Vandergeesen works very hard, very smart. And uh, a, kind of a savvy guy who plays with a lot of heart. Um, and I like Vandergeesen a lot. He's a good leader. He's captured in the USA. But, but you look at Lavala and how well he played against Japan, and you wonder, how do you keep him off this team? It's really uh, tough to make that decision. And troubles in the lineouts may be, but how do you keep him off this team, considering all the work he put in? You don't. You can't. And he's not for that reason. And I think it's, you know it's it'll be interesting because I think that there were a couple different positions where um, they actually played against Japan. Um, the connection where either testing that as the front row or testing that as the front line um, pair in that area, or you know maybe it will be the front line um, pair in that area. I mean, obviously Petri and, and Malifa, your nine and ten work together. I think those are going to be your starting nine ten most likely in the World Cup. You have Lavala uh, working with Hayden Smith, and there's a very good chance that'll be your starting. Second row, uh, you know, pairing, and I think that you did it a little bit with Emmerich and and, um, and potentially Anosa as well. That there's a chance we may see that as our starting midfield. But uh, anyways, getting back to the second row, I think that they started them there to to get them time together and to uh, to really see what 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 it looked like. 
And I think he looked pretty good. I think that Hayden Smith is invaluable in the line out, and he's a, he's a good player around the park. And I think with Scott Lavala and John Vanderdeesen, um, the engine room is really the strongest. Where you can pull somebody off the bench, you don't really lose much, if anything, in all those players. Because I think all three of them are very strong. And, and, and Scott, I think, is a little bit better in the loose than John. Um, but I think they're both fantastic players. And that's one area where I think you feel good if you're an Eagle fan going to the World Cup is that you have three guys and you can bring a sub off the bench and not lose anything. I don't think I don't think you're going to see Smith or Van de Giesen go into the back row at all. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't anticipate that. You, you possibly will see Louis go into the second row, Louis Stanfield, that is. But I think that they're going to play kind of a rotation with those three guys and 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 use and use them to play. My concern about the team in reality is is that it's one paced and there's not a whole lot of offense coming out of your front five. There's not a whole lot of, of, of really dynamic ball runners. And your most dynamic ball runner in your front five is Biller. So it, it, now you have a system where you, you need your front five to get you go forward and quick ball, but they're not really a threat to go through and make huge gains. They're not really, a, you know, they don't have, an, you know, obviously this is, these are rich statements, but you don't have a guy like a Brad Thorne or a Kevin Mialamu or, or you know, you, you just don't have even even the Franks brothers. They just don't they don't have offense that's generated out of the front row. And I think that like you look for balance in, in the back row, you kind of look for balance in your front row to get you some offense and, and, and out of your second. I think that that's a really hard working front five. But I don't know that it adds a whole lot of offensive punch. And that could be a problem. You know, I think they're capable of doing that, but I think it speaks to what I said in an earlier show about the, the specter of the World Cup. Nobody wants to be a selfish jerk. And and, and when you talk about some of the the, the guys like Kevin Mialamu, you know, longtime professionals who know that you know they, they would be gutted if they didn't make it to the World Cup, but they turn around and they have a rugby job to go back to. And some of these guys have rugby jobs to go back to, but it's it's not the same thing. They, they they're they're so much more tied up in making this World Cup squad and being part of the team. Being being a teammate is is a bigger deal than everything than anything. So the only time you see someone take charge um, of being you know, take charge of the offensive side of things in a forward, in in my experience, is usually been somebody who's so established that they're comfortable with that, and that's why that's why. Todd Clever is the way he is because, in in a way, his status as captain and star of the team allows him to do some stuff. Maybe even some stuff people don't like, but allows him to do some stuff that's a little bit off the beaten path. And I don't think you'll see Scott Lavalla do that until he feels more secure. The fact that you know I have him penciled in as captaining the team in in the 2015 World Cup doesn't really cut any ice with him at the moment. Well, I, I do think that the system also plays into the fact that they're not offensive threats. Is that if they were coming around taking a hot ball from the scrum half, and they and they were going in a group and piling through, I think that in 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 that kind of a thing, they would be more effective attackers. I think that staying back and playing off ten, and in a, a very deep ten, when when defenders get a run up at them, I think nullifies a lot of their advantage. So while I, I, I think that that's where the difference is. I, I just don't think that they're going to be used in such a way 
that they can be effective attackers. If they were used in a more powerful sort of way, I think that they could be more effective attackers. Just uh, one more comment about this second row, and then I want to move on to the back row. Uh, it's Hayden Smith, John Vandergeesen, and and Scott Lavala, and uh, and they all have the three completely different backgrounds getting to this national team. Uh, John Vandergeesen started playing at the University of Idaho, never heard of rugby really until he started playing in college, and made himself a better player by going overseas and, and working on it until he he forced somebody to get noted, notice him. Hayden Smith is born uh, in Australia and actually was playing basketball uh, in in the Denver area when he was uh, persuaded to, to play rugby. So even though he's from overseas, he actually didn't play that much rugby until he played it in the United States and then was made an All-American. So it was, uh, it's kind of like a, an overseas-based crossover, which is a really odd one. And then Scott Lavala, who most people will know, is from my hometown of Olympia, Washington. I've known him since he was probably 15. Um, and and he was uh, his coach at the time was saying he'll be an eagle and he was he looks like an eagle when he was uh, a sophomore in high school and he's been through all of the high school ranks uh, USA under 19s under 20s everywhere he's he's just worked his way up the ranks he he's the pipeline the way the pipeline is supposed to work which um, it's nice to see it actually work once in a while in our back row uh, we have and and this is maybe where we have the offensive punch uh, Todd Clever. Uh, the most recognizable American rugby player right now, uh, Pat Danahy, who, I, as I said, I thought uh, probably c- cemented his place on this squad by the way he played against Japan. Uh, J.J. Gagliano, who is, uh, goes to U- University of Cape Town, qualifies through uh, parentage. Uh, Nick Johnson, who's been terrific at number eight, and um, and, and I, I really hope they just put paint the number eight in his back and just leave him alone. Lou Stanfield, who has played... Locke and all three positions in the back row. I think this summer he's just been everywhere and, and is a guy who will give you absolutely everything he has um, and is another one of those, um, the four, by the way, uh, Jesuit Cal players that are on this team along with Eric Fry, Colin Hawley, and Blaine Scully. So uh, what do you guys think of this group? I think it's an area of strength. I think that, you know, Todd Clever is is – one of the best players on the Eagles. He's a captain of the Eagles for a long time. He's the face of the program. He has been um, for years now. And, and it, there are still some faults. You know, I do think he tends to take the ball off on his own every once in a while. He doesn't uh, quite let everybody else know what he's doing, including his teammates. But it, it, all around, I mean, Todd Clever is obviously a great asset to have on the field. Um, and he's, he's a fantastic player. I think we know who we get him. I think that we know we get Moose Stansfield. He's going to knock some people on their, you know, their back feet. Um, uh, several times a game, and he's a, he's a bruising tackler. He's uh, he's good in the ruck, and he's he's good when he's got the ball in hand. And I think that those are your your stars in the back row. I think Nick Johnson's a hard worker, and he's obviously a very strong player as well. But I I, I think that this is another area of of strength, just like our second row. This is a this is an area of strength for the Eagles, and and I think Inaki Basuri is going to kind of get in that three man rotation. I think he's going to play a lot as uh, if he's healthy. You're right. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mention Anaki Basari. I had him listed alphabetically, and I skipped that first one. So, of course, Anaki Basari is there, too. I think we'll see a lot of Anaki, and I don't think we'll see a ton of uh, a ton of Pat Danahy or J.J. Gagliano, to be honest with you. I, I think that we're going to see a steady diet of, of Louis Stanfield, Nick Johnson, and, and Todd Clever. And I think that they, had, they, they have a very good balance, and they're, and they're all capable of going back and, and, and catching kicks and making a – and making a play with it, 
they're all capable in the lineout, which is massive. I think that's going to be a massive factor, and and possibly they'd be able to go deeper in the lineout now that they have those three back there or, or those three in 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 the team. Even if you put a prop at the other end of it, then I think that you're really going to be able to go to the back. Clever is a fantastic jumper. I think that people are you know jumping on Clever on on um, on the blogs and and on the comments sections. And I think it's somewhat unfair. I think Clever is a fantastic player. Again, you, I, I, I still think that the system and, and, and having them stay at so much depth doesn't allow them to really play and use their power against guys who are kind of standing still or, or haven't really gotten their, their, uh, their head of steam up when, when our guys do. And, and, and again, that's a systematic thing that I, I would hope changes or at least hope gets tweaked a little bit. But I think that that's, that back row has a lot of balance. They have grafters. They have flyers. They have, you know, I think Nick Johnson is a very good number eight under pressure and has proven to be a very good number eight under pressure, and they're going to need that. And they, they really are. I mean, the, the amount of go forward he gets off those scrums is, is huge. And also the, the, the thing that really bugged me about the last year or so is that because we've had this rotating number eight, issue that we that's when you get dumb mistakes coming out of the back of the scrum losing the ball or a fumbled transfer things like that we really need to solidify that eight nine ten hinge that 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 play that he made against japan where they had a a scrum about the eight or ten yard line and he picked up and he went he must have gone 15 10 15 yards it's a fantastic play really a fantastic play he's he's a very very he's a good player he's underrated and, um, you know, and, and, you know, there's o- he's always one of those, he's, you know, maybe a step slow or something, maybe a little bit too small, but he's a pretty big guy. He's bigger than you think. And, you know, it, it always seems like they're looking for the next best thing when he's pretty freaking good. He is. You know, it, uh, I think it was now nine days ago that he shook my hand when I last interviewed him, and my hand still hurts. <laughs> Guys, he's very strong. Uh, the other thing about this is uh, Basari – and Clever and Stanfield all have significant World Cup experience. And, I, you know, you look at it, I, we, we all think that Johnson should be at eight. Clever, he's the captain. He's going to be starting uh, unless he's injured. And he did miss the Japan game partly because he was injured. I don't think it's serious. Um, he's at, probably at seven, so who do you put at six? And it comes down to Basari or Stanfield. Um, love Stanfield's uh, work ethic. And I think, I think, Bruce, you're saying it's, it's going to be Stanfield. But it's a question. It has to be Stanfield. It has I to agree. Be. Stanfield, Stanfield is fantastic. He's fantastic. And, and I you know what else? Line, I, I, and exactly. I He's also have, been coached. When you, when you defended uh, Petri earlier and you gave the advocation for Troy Hall, I, and we also dropped, we had a Troy Bartley uh, drop too. I'm surprised we didn't get, you know, a, a Frank Sharp or a Brian Doyle. Advocation for the lineup. I'm, you, you I thought we were going to go 15 deep on the Nyack guys that should have been picked. You, you almost got a Brian. Doyle. Brian Doyle's been playing great, but you know Frankie Sharp. He's not an eagle, uh, and nor is he eagle caliber. But but that that uh, you know Louis Stanfield, having coached him, I love that guy, man. He is absolutely fantastic. One of the best players you can have. He goes 100 percent all the time. There is no off switch on that guy, and there is no governor on him either. This guy, he's got he's got one speed. It's full speed. He's got one effort level. It's one hundred percent effort. I love him. Now that's not to say the other guys are fantastic too. 
and Anaki's good, and they're all good. And Danahy's good, and, and JJ's good. But I think that those three are going to be the guys. Just I would tell Lou to lay off the five meter line out quick throws. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's a little I'll bit take of a full blame for that. You know, I, I... <laughs> 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 well, I, I'd I'd like to see uh, Pat Danahy get some time. I, I I do like his play, and and I think he's actually an offensive threat when he gets a shot. And people might remember uh, the Russia game in two thousand ten where uh, Lavala and Danahy combined for a very nice try there. And uh, those two guys who both went to Trinity in a Dublin University together. Um, and it, it'd be nice to see them playing together as well. Uh, going out to the backs, the scrum half situation, we thought maybe there might be three. We talked about Robbie Shaw basically not get, getting a shot. Um, Timu Saz is a slower delivery, more aggressive, um, you know, you talk about Brian Hightower and his analysis of the of the the Japan game, and he was talking about the ball coming out quicker um, because of Usaz. And I, I don't think it was because of him, but um, generally Petri passes the ball out faster, um, is a little bit more of a classic ball from the ground, straight out uh, kind of uh, kind of passer, uh, and and Petri's defense is extremely strong. Um, and it looks like, because he's been named vice-captain, um, perhaps Eddie O'Sullivan's made a decision there. I like Petri, obviously. I think he's a great player. He's got the good ball. He's good with the ball in hand. Made some. I think my most I was impressed with Petri um, against Japan with this. He had some thundering hits. You know? I mean, maybe he was frustrated about those balls he couldn't get his hands on. But he made some good tackles. And I think he's a good defensive nine. And I do think he gives the Eagles the best chance to win. Now, I think that Uzaz has gotten a bit of a bum rap on this show a couple the last couple of weeks, just a, a couple of digs here. And I think, you know, he may be slower in getting the ball out, but I think he may also be better at retaining the ball because he doesn't go so quick that there's nobody there to, to support that person that's taking the ball, maybe a little bit less uh, ground his game. But I think Uzaz is a good player. I don't think you lose a ton when, when Petri goes off the field, though I do agree with Mike being the, uh, the top scrum half on the team. Um. I haven't seen Robbie play that often, so it's hard for me to uh, hard for me to really comment on Robbie Shaw. So you know, I, I do know that that Mike Petrie says he's a fantastic player. Um, but that all said, I you know, Tim Yu says has been the scrum half in the Eagles, as has Mike Petrie. Uh, for my money, Mike's a better player. I think it's pretty clear. Mike is a savage defender, and 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 Mike can play a very varied game, and I, and I think that. Uh, in the event that he is the number one choice, once he knows that, I think he's going to be a better player too. It's just one of those things. Just it, it, it gives you the freedom to not worry about mistakes. And and it, Mike is a confidence player, and he needs to know that he's the man. And if he knows he is, and I don't know that that's the case, but in the event that he is the man and he has solidified himself in that job, I think that, that he will be – a better player than than you anticipate from from he is fantastic he really is fantastic he's uh, again i can't speak more highly of him and and i do think that uh that tim you says brings something from the bench that can be valuable for the team and i and i you know the players on the team really like him and and he's and he's and he's a and he's and he's a very spark plug type of player I don't think he brings as much in defense, but he does. He 
is a, a player that is not worried about making mistakes, and that is, I think, his strongest suit. But as far as a as a as a complete player, I think that Mike is Mike is significantly better than him. I think the Eagles will be better because of it. And I think that when Tim Uses comes into the game, I think that he'll go and he'll be fresh enough and know that hey, I got to give X amount of minutes, whether it's thirty, twenty, ten, or however many it is, that he'll give that spark for that amount of time, and it'll, it'll be good for the Eagles. I think that they'll be good. But as I I, I also think that Mike Patrick can go eighty. So I, I think that probably shouldn't have put Tim says into the Japan game only because Mike is so fit that he's one of those guys who possibly could have gotten a cheap break and made a score. And I think that that's what killed me in the Japan game is it, that what, did they bring guys in who can finish and score? And that's, that's what I, I didn't think. Like Andrew Sunil was powerful, but it, he didn't, you know, he's had a couple line breaks and he couldn't finish them off. And and I think that we wanted you want to have people when you're down six, you just need you know you kind of and you're not going anywhere. You kind of need somebody to just get you a cheap break. You that's, just standing on the sideline going, that's, man, can we just get one of those cheap tries? That's that Andrew Sudeikis is about as powerful as Colin Holly. Tyanosa would have been that guy. You know, the, the other one more thing about uh, Mike Petrie is uh, is that if he gets that that set. That he he's the guy you're going to see his leaders come through, and he is a he's a very good leader, and he is he's the kind of guy that oddly not only do his teammates listen to it, it seems like the opposing team listens to him. It's it's just, it's just great. You 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 look at the the set to in Glendale between the Canadian players and and the uh, and the American players, a little bit of handbag swinging, and Todd Clever went in there and he kind of escalated it um, because that's the way he is. He's a passionate guy. Uh, Petri would have shut that down in about three seconds, and I've seen him do it. He just stands in between and he says, guys, guys, take it easy. Relax. He says that, and people actually listen. Hey, don't be so sure that Petri is, is, isn't one of those guys who'll throw handbags as well. So that's, I'm not saying he no, won't, but I, I think he, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Petri also has to get held off of that stuff, too, because he is not afraid to uh, – to let fly. He is an Italian from Brooklyn and, 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 and so he doesn't need to prove rest, rest, That's the thing. Rest, rest, rest assured. Rest assured. Mike Petrie is also one of the first guys. They, they do need someone to keep them away from those handbag incidents. And I think Petrie will lead by example. Todd will lead the team. Petrie will do his thing. It will be an example leadership that Todd is the leader of the team. Mike knows that Todd's the leader of the team and it's not going to, that will be, he will be a compliment in, in, and that's it. He he know, he'll know his role and he won't over, overstep his role. That's Todd's team, and Mike 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 will lead by example. On to fly half now, and uh, we have two fly halves. Uh, Valenesi Malifa has been the number one guy for a while now, a, a shifty runner, and as we talked about a little bit, uh, doesn't really fit in with the, the the game plan. But he's he's been playing great at sevens. He's got got that long pass over either hand. Um, from the sevens, he's a he's a good tackler, good defender, um, but the issues obviously kicking from the hand and kicking from the ground have been difficult for him. Uh, he kicked two conversions this past week, but wasn't asked to kick any penalty goals. They didn't have any penalties in kicking range, really. Um, but we worry about his confidence. Roland Suliula has come in. He's even more of a running fly half. He doesn't really kick much, um, and he's looked good as a running fly half. Really, more of a, another inside center. Um, the the guy that's not on the team that really wasn't considered and uh, since the spring since the winter 
uh, is Volney Rouse from uh, San Francisco Golden Gate. Um, I, I, I've always liked him. Uh, I, I think he's a, he's a good player. He's a good runner. He plays support well. He passes well enough, uh, defends well, and he's kicking. His punting uh, for distance and accuracy is very good, and his goal kicking is very strong. and And I think at least as a backup, he would have been a good option. But he's not there. Uh, what we have are Malifa and Suniula, and I just wonder now um, who's in favor. Well, I disagree. I think that Rouse is, uh, while he's a good player and definitely a good domestic player, I don't think Rouse is uh, is any better than the two guys that we've got left. I, I think Roland and Messi are both a step above um, Rouse, and maybe maybe I haven't seen him play enough, um, and maybe it's just a difference in opinion. But when I see San Francisco Golden Gate play, while you definitely could tell Rouse is a player, there are other guys on that field who outshine him, and that's mostly Tim Mateo, who a lot of people in the domestic game will also argue probably should be uh, should have been in consideration even despite his age, um, just in the mix at least for the scrum half position. Um, and, and you also see a guy like Mili Pulu jump off the off the map as well. But enough about Volney for my for my stance. I think I think Roland Sunila is a guy that has played really really well. I think I would throw him in the mix with. Obviously, he made the team, so I'm not going to say he wasn't given a chance to make the team. But we'll see if he can overtake. Because really, if you look at these three World Cup warm-ups, I think he's outplayed Messi. Um, and I don't think it's even been all that close when he's gotten a chance to play at number 10. And so we'll see. Will Eddie let the play on the field decide it? Will he let, you know, kind of his predetermined thought decide it? Because I think Roland's played really well. He's another guy that's dynamic with the ball in hand. He's a guy that, for this, you talk about Messi the sevens. I think Roland um, was one of the best players the Eagles had in sevens when he was playing for him in the last year. So he, um, you know, I think he's definitely earned a shot to, to get a chance on the, on the big stage. Well, I think Volney Rouse is fantastic. So uh, I, don't know, I think that the fact that he, did, he didn't get much of a chance is, um, is, is a little bit rough. The, and, and he has been a, a massive catalyst. Golden Gate plays a lot better when Volney's playing 10. And, and I, I also think that Suniula is playing well, but he's not, he doesn't have to use his kicking game. He's been coming into the games and playing flat and running. He's been playing like Nese wants to play, but Nese's forced to play this other game. That's not Nese. Nese Rowan showed a boot that's pretty good, too. He's played, I think he's kicked pretty well on the fly when he's done it. You know, he's had less chance to screw up because like, you know, Nessie's played more. But I think that Rowan's kicked the ball a little bit. I think that they got to I, I, look. They I, they got to believe in Nessie Malifa, and they got to go with him, and they got to let him play a little bit flatter and let him play his game. You, you, Nessie is not a pivot fly half. Roland's not a pivot fly half, and Volney Rouse isn't a pivot fly half, and they're playing with a pivot fly half, and that's the problem. Ronan O'Gara is not playing. He's a pivot fly half, and 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 the fact of the matter is that we're playing a game that doesn't suit the players. And Nesse Malif is a brilliant player. He's actually an excellent tackler. He's a way better tackler than he is a defender. He doesn't necessarily bring up his defensive line as well right, as he understood, should. Yeah. And, and I think that that's when, like, Paul Emmerich came out of the line and made a couple nice hits, as did Louie. But, and I, I think that sometimes Nesse may need Nesse to bring the line up a little bit stronger. Because if he did, Nesse's a, a he's, you know, you saw that hit. He's a pretty vicious. And, I, you know, we've been on the wrong end of, of Nesse Malifa hits at our team. So, and, you know, the guy can play. I think he's, I think that 
to shoot the confidence in Nese Malif is pretty tough to do, and it's happened. And I think that they gotta they got to find a way to get Nese's confidence back and get him his swagger back because Nese is an, is an excellent player. And, and I do think that if they tweak things a little bit, that he'll be very effective in the World Cup. I think the the Roland Suniula comment, Pat, is it, and it's well taken because Roland has played very well. But it's it's just like um, watching a football game where a team is down by thirty points, and then suddenly they start uh, throwing, swinging the ball down the field and score touchdowns. And say, Why couldn't they do this earlier? Suniula has been going on late when they've been behind, and they say run and make something happen. You see him running and trying to make something happen. You say well, that's dynamic, but 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 had he started the game that way, they would have been they would have been playing very differently. Uh, I, I do think that uh, Eddie O'Sullivan made his decision a long time ago about Malifa, and uh, he, he kind of said that this was the only guy he had, and he's got to double down on him, really. So I, I, I have a hard time thinking that he's going to turn his back on Malifa now, but you never know. On to center, and we've seen just about every combination we could possibly do uh, with center. We've got the Suniula brothers, Roland and Andrew. Uh, we have Paul Emmerich, who's been at outside and then inside. Uh, uh, junior Sifo, don't forget, um, very shifty runner, has played inside and played outside, but uh, an exciting guy. Tyanosa, um, his best moments have been when he's come on as a sub, and, he, and he's a really exciting runner, but, but still needs some experience. I think we've all been asking for Paul Emmerich to be on the inside center. He breaks the game line, he, and, and obviously it, it worked really well uh, against Japan. And then the big question, what do we do about outside center? Chris Wiles, is he healthy? If he's healthy, outside center has been where he's been playing for Saracens and playing very well. That was what his uh, position was a long time ago before he just had a position to, to take it, uh, on the Eagles, which was uh, fullback. He's not always been a fullback, so outside center. So we've got lots of mixture to go with. Um, yet at the same time, I think we have a combination that everybody wants, which would be Emmerich and Wiles. Kevin Swearin. What about Kevin Swearin? Perhaps center would be his best position also. For the money, and I think we're pretty consistent, um, Emmerich is your number 12. I think he's the only number 12 on this team, unless you want to put a role in there and have two guys that play fly half center. Uh, I think that the, the pick has to be Emmerich for all the myriad of reasons that I've both said on the show, written about, or that you've even seen. On, you know, it's pretty easy, it's pretty easy to see, pretty obvious. The outside center, um, I'd like to see Patterson, Wiles, Nguyenia, um, and Swearin on the field at the same time. Uh, and I think the only way to do that is to make one of them a center. Uh, and uh, you, if you want to switch out Swearin for Scully, that's fine. But I think that those four guys need to be on the field. And one of them is going to end up having to be a center if you're going to get those four guys on the field at the same time. Um, and so whichever one of them is the center, that's fine with me. But I don't think any of the other true centers that you mentioned there at the end are, are the guy that needs to be starting. I think Emmer needs to be at 12 and, and put Wiles, Patterson, uh, or Swearin there at 13 for me. And, uh, but, but I'll be, I'll be somewhat surprised. And maybe this is just me being a self-deprecating fan, but I'll be surprised if Andrew Suniel is not starting at 12 when we, when we watch him play Ireland. I mean, I am still baffled by the non-selection of Troy Hall. That is baffling me. And, and, and he would be the outside center until Wiles got healthy and then, then maybe ask a couple questions. Uh, I think Suniul is, is good and can play. Uh, I think both Suniul is a good and can play. Um, you know, Cephas, 
you, you got to put Emmerich in the midfield. There's no doubt about it. And and they're going to have to put Wiles at 13 is where he's going to play. And I think that that you know I, I think that they made a, a they made a drastic mistake by not taking Hall. It's just my opinion. But you know the the, the team will be Emmerich and Wiles. I think I don't know if Wiles will be healthy for the Ireland game. What they do in that situation, who knows? I think that they're. There are a lot of options. All of them are decent. All of them are different. And I, I certainly, the one thing I would not play in Osa in the midfield, I just don't think that he is going to bring enough defensively. And I think that a clinical team will really expose that. But, you know, they may play Junior Sifa. It doesn't seem like they will. They may play Roland Suniula. And, and he's actually a pretty good rush defender from the outside center position. It, it, but the U.S. plays a drift. So it, it depends on, on whether or not he'll come out of his line and 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 cause problems there, but he he uh you know he's 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 a pretty effective player. He played really well for Boston this year, um, and that was the only time I've really gotten to see him outside of here. And 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 he's uh you know he he's a dynamic player. There's no doubt about it. And I, I think he's as dynamic as as Tyanosis. So he would be he I would have him penciled in somewhere over him. And then and Andrew Sunil again is a tough guy. If he can if he can lose no his you boot, might as well if he could lose his boot about a little it. bit. You guys talked about wanting a pivot fly half, just having Anderson Yule do it, because that's what he thinks he is. Well, I can't yeah. remember a time in the, <laughs> the summer I've seen Anderson Yule take his giant shoulder and shove it into someone's chest and make him go backwards. Yeah, he, I'm not he, so sure it happened. He made a couple breaks against Canada that were good. Hey, look, because he's big and scary, and nobody wants to tackle. He's a you know Anderson Yule was a good player. It, it's he is again, a good player. I think, he's just I think not, that, he doesn't play I, for a size. I, again, the, the system and playing everybody so deep, they got to get up and get so deep that they're just playing a one off. It's a pivot to a one runner. You know, they may make two passes. I mean, it. It honestly, they, they're under pressure all the time. They're not putting the opposition under pressure. They're constantly under pressure, and they have to use footwork to get out of their trouble. That, that's the problem. I mean, Hightower could not have explained it better, and he he put it on he put it on the he put it on the thing afterward. It was a fan, I, and I thought it was fantastic. I like Anosa as a player. I think that uh, he he's good as an impact sub to bring him on and 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 run through some people, run around some people. I think that's pretty exciting. I I think that Chris Wiles' uh, injury is a real concern. And, and I wonder, if he's healthy for Ireland, do you, do you play him or do you save him to, to play him against Russia and make sure that everything goes well there? I don't know. But I, I like the logic from you, Pat, and that is uh, keeping the guys that you're excited about on the field. And I really would have thought that uh, Eric and Swearin should have been perhaps your center pairing for the last two years and just leave it that. Uh, move, moving on to... to fullback and we've kind of touched on a lot of these guys um the i think the big news this summer is that blaine scully showed up played fullback and uh just took control of that position he's one of the few guys who we hadn't maybe the guy that we hadn't really thought of as being on this team and then he showed up and said this is my position i can play this and i can play this at a test level and he's been he's not been perfect but he's been really good um the the kick he did that set up Swearin's second try against Japan. I just, I didn't, I had no idea what he was thinking. I'd be curious because at the time I thought, oh no, he just stuck it down the middle of the field. Then Emmerich goes and makes a tackle. The ball spills loose and Swearin can score. So maybe there's a method to the madness. Also on the wings, Colin Hawley, very dependable guy. Uh, you know what you're going to get from him. He's not going to make a, a lot of mistakes. He's not 
right now super dynamic. He's 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 been more successful at sevens at the moment, but I really like him. He's a smart kid. An, uh, another Jesuit uh, Cal guy, by the way. Uh, Takun Gwenya, perhaps the most exciting wing the United States have produced in quite a while. James Patterson, we saw play his first game, and we, uh, you know, I, I think we need to see more. I would like to have seen him get one pass where he had the ball with a little bit of space, so he could give him a chance to beat his guy and run. And he, he never really had that opportunity. Uh, Blaine Scully, as we said, um, Kevin Swearin, and, and Chris Wiles, uh, obviously a, a fullback option, or we put it center. And Kevin Swearin has been up and down this summer, but um, made two big plays for the USA against Japan, scored two big tries, and I, I think that was really good for him for his confidence. If 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 Wiles is healthy, your fullback is, is Blaine Scully, your wings are, are James Patterson and um and Taco and Gwenya. If Wiles is not healthy, I think that you put either Swearin or Patterson at uh, thirteen and then you sub on, you know, you, you just adjust accordingly. I think the one guy that could if if you have the ideal situation where everybody's healthy, the one guy who may be left out in this scenario is either Kevin Swearin or Blaine Scully, but but that's a great problem to have if you've got a guy who's a, you know been playing in the French top 14 coming off the bench, or if you've got a guy like Blaine Scully who's played fantastic all summer um, coming off the bench. But I, I think that the, the D three has always been a very deep uh, deep area for the Eagles coming into this. You know, I was asked to write a, a preview for the World Cup um, some well, like eight months ago. Something starting several months, probably five or six months ago. I never would have put Blaine Scully in there. I thought fullback was one of our weakest positions, but now it's not. Because you have Blaine Scully emerges a great, uh, you know, a guy who can play on the test level, and you have James Patterson into the fold, and all of a sudden, not only is it a good area where you have three good, dangerous players, but now we have five guys. And so I think that the back three is, as much as I've talked about the second row and, and the back row and how strong those are, I think this is the strongest area the Eagles have. You know, Patterson can play uh, fullback too, and, and uh, I guess Bruce does this come down to just picking a unit and going with it. I mean, Naguanya definitely has to start. I would definitely start Scully. And if Wiles is healthy, I think that he, he would have to play outside center. If he's not healthy, I think that you, ha- you can't put one of those other guys in the center and cause another disruption. I, I would play one of the centers that they have as a center, whoever it is, whether it's Sunil and Emmerich or, or Rowan Sunil and Emmerich or Sifo or, or Ty or however they're going to play it. I think they've got to play with a center at center. And, and I, I think Patterson... I've heard he's a fantastic player, but the fact is, I mean, I haven't really seen a whole lot of him except that one game, and he was okay. But I, I think that you know you're almost going on you're almost going on his pedigree as opposed to his play. He played all right, but he didn't you know he certainly didn't set the world on fire. And 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 to say that he's bet you know I don't know you play Patterson or Swearing I don't know I'm mean, did make two good plays, but he also did whiff on a tackle big time at the goal line. And and I thought that uh, you know so maybe maybe they'll play Patterson and 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 Scully and and uh, and and, and Taku Nguyenia at the wings. I don't know what they're going to do. It, it I, I don't think it's an area of massive concern. I think it's an area where they they can be relatively strong. I mean, you go through the entire team, outside of outside of in the scrum at tight head prop, they you know they they don't have a bad team. They have a pretty good team outside of in one facet of play that happens 12 times a game or 14 times a game. And, 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 and they can probably hold their ground there. And I think they can, they can play some rugby. They just got to 
tweak their system a little bit to, to, to fit the player's abilities. Well, I think that it comes down then to unity. Who, who is your unit? We've been, I, I keep asking you guys as we go through, who, who's your pick for this, this section and this section? Because I really think that you can get away with, say, the second row having three guys and rotating them through. I think that's fine. But in the back line, this is the, I realize there's an, there's an issue with the system and there's an is, issue with the pod system and, and how they approach. But, but why don't we just settle on this group and say this is my, my number one group and you guys – you're here to be opposition, and you're here to step in if we've got an injury. But we we need to settle on our group. They should have done, and, that, a, and they should work, have done that a year uh, ago. Yes, yes they, they should have. But now what they need to do is do it the next three weeks. So I'm sure that they're, I'm sure I'm, they, I'm sure they're thinking about that. I, I can't imagine that they're not. They have to be. But but it hasn't happened in any of the games we've seen. We've seen complete. I, I haven't tracked it, but we've seen completely different lineups uh, throughout this summer. And so we, I mean, we're we're doing this because we don't know what the starting fifteen is. I mean, we we got a pretty good idea, but we're doing it partly because for the listeners, if you look at the the lineups, you don't know who your guy is at pretty much every every position. I think you most people would say Todd Clever's going to start and Hayden Smith's probably going to start. Right after that, you're still like, well, I don't know. I mean, Emmerich, he, he should play, but where? Uh, because they, we haven't seen that consistency, so that's what we'd like to see. We will be right back after this. Fans, don't forget the USA 7's International Rugby Tournament in February 10th to 12th. In 2012 in Las Vegas, Nevada, go to usa7s.com for more information. Also check out rugbyimports.com for all your rugby needs. And as always, you can go to rugbymag.com for your ongoing rugby news and sign up for the rugbymag.com premier membership for exclusive and special insights. All right, well that that's our that's our wrap up of the World Cup squad, and uh, the the USA plays Ireland on September 11, and then Russia on September 15, and then they get about a week uh, to to work their way up to play Australia in Wellington on September 23rd, and Italy is their final game in Nelson in the South Island on September 27, and uh, now for the most part. Most people would say uh, that they're not going to be able to beat Ireland and Australia. I think that uh, Russia is a game we expect the USA to win, and Italy is sort of your reach goal. If they win two, they're back in the World Cup automatically the next time. And I guess they're, they're back in as America number one if they win two and, and um, Canada doesn't. So, so that would be the question. Right now, looking at this squad and who we think is going to start, Bruce, I'll start with you. How many wins at the World Cup? One. I think they're going to beat Russia, but based on the Japan versus Italy score, they have they have the ability to possibly beat Japan, Italy. I, I just don't think they match up well against Italy. I, I, I think that the Italian the Italian scrum and 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 the Italian power game is probably going to put them under a lot of pressure. So I don't think they have the ability to beat Italy, and especially in the last game on a four-day turnaround. I think that's going to be pretty tough to do. But I think they'll win. I think they'll beat Russia. I think they'll beat Russia relatively comfortably by 10 points plus. Uh, Russia, they'll beat Russia. I mean, you know, I think that's beat them three times in a row. I think 
you're going to beat them four times in a row because I think you should beat them. Um, and Italy, you know, they've got a puncher's chance. Um, I'm excited to watch them play Ireland. I, I'm not saying they've got a chance to beat Ireland, but uh, I think it would be really exciting if they could keep it close and they've kept it close against teams that perhaps they shouldn't have kept it close against in the past. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to get one win ultimately. Uh, and a second, a second win is going to come. It's going to come against Italy, but I don't see it coming. You know, I think of it as almost a trick question. I, I agree with you guys. I think they're going to beat Russia. I think they're going to have to work at it. They cannot take it uh, lightly, but they will beat them. But I think in a way it's almost irrelevant what what the United States needs for the fans, for the players, and, and for the image overseas, and even for how much money uh, USA Rugby gets from the IRB. They've got to play well every single time. And that doesn't mean... Uh, you know, what's well? I mean, we remember 1999 where we say that the USA was the only team to score a try against uh, uh, Australia through the whole tournament. They lost that game 55-19, but it was a really competitive, exciting, uh, fun 55-19, and that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see against Ireland. I'd like to see them bloody a few noses, figuratively speaking. I'd like to see them score a couple of tries, which we know they've had trouble doing, and I'd like to see them just really worry Ireland. I'd like to see them uh, go into halftime against Australia feeling like they've got a shot and, and they, they won't beat them and they may even get blown out in the second half but people have to come away from those games feeling like uh, boy, this USA team can play some rugby. Uh, Italy, they do have a shot but, but four days after playing Australia no matter who you put out there against Australia in the last game of the World Cup, they're going to be beat up. It's going to be hard. And Italy is a, you know, we make a joke. We were joking about soccer and all the, you know, the, the, the fake diving and everything soccer has. Well, where do you think all the tough guys in Italy go? They go to play rugby. All right, well, that does our wrap-up of, um, of the World Cup squad and the USA uh, finalizing their, uh, their warm-up schedule with a loss 20-14 to 14 against Japan. Uh, we will be checking in on the National All-Star Championship 7s and some other 7s news uh, on an addendum show coming up later this week. And so for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, this is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com saying thanks for listening to Rugga Matrix America.